حدثنا سليمان بن حرب حدثنا حماد وهو ابن زيد عن ثابت عن انس رضي الله عنه قال كان غلام يهودي يخدم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم انس رضي الله عنه said that there was a Jewish boy who would serve the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم meaning he was a servant to him فمرض and that boy fell ill فاتاه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يعوده so the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came to him in order to visit him فقعد عند راسه and he sat by his head فقال له and the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to that boy aslim accept islam فنظر الى ابيه so the boy looked towards his father وهو عنده and his father was near him فقال له so his father said to him اطيع ابا القاسم صلى الله عليه وسلم ابي ابو القاسم who is ابو القاسم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فاسلم so the boy accepted islam فخرج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came out وهو يقول while he was saying الحمد لله الذي انقذه من النار all praise to allah the one who saved this boy from the fire alhamdulillah that allah gave me the ability to save this boy from the fire allah saved him from the fire through me so he was thanking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that opportunity so what do we learn from this hadith first of all the reason why imam bukhari brings this hadith is to show that islam should be presented to children also even though those children may be living with their parents dependent on their parents islam should be presented to them they should be told they should be informed and secondly what we learn from this is also that no matter how far a person has gone it's never too late to save them even if they're on their deathbed you can still offer islam to them you can still present islam to them Now there is an ayah in the Quran that says very clearly that tauba is not for those people wa laysat at-tawbatu lil ladina ya'maluna as-sayyi'at tauba is not for those people who go on committing sins hatta idha hadara ahaduhum al-mawtu qala inni tubtu al-an they go on committing sins until when death reaches one of them he says i repent now meaning from this ayah we learned that if a person repents at the time of death then that repentance is not accepted correct what happened with firaun when did he believe or when did he say amantu when he was about to drown isn't it was that accepted from him no so then why did the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam offer islam to this boy at the deathbed why No, this boy used to serve the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He used to work for him. So how could he not know about Islam? He did. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was truly a mercy to the world, right? He wanted the best for people and he loved this boy so much so that he offered Islam to him at this time. But the question is that from the Quran we learn that if a person repents right before death, then that's not accepted. that when death comes upon a person and he repents then that repentance is not accepted the thing is the answer to this is two things you must understand all right 
First of all, we don't know when a person is going to die. Isn't it? I mean, somebody might be extremely sick in critical condition and the doctors say, couple of hours. Hmm? Or they say, they're not going to last more than 72 hours. And what happens? The person lives for an entire week. Hmm? You understand? So you might see the signs of death on a person, but that doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to die within an hour or two. That the angel of death is standing next to them. They might even recover fully from their illness. Isn't it so that so many people are so close to death, right? But then they don't die. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them health. So just because you see a person extremely ill, or you think that they are close to death, don't give up on them. You understand? You have a responsibility to call them, to invite them, to guide them. You have that responsibility because you don't know how long they're going to live. How often it happens that a person is transferred to palliative care. Basically, they're sent to the section of the hospital where people are sent to die because they cannot be further treated anymore. But then they live on in that palliative care for a good month sometimes. Eight months. Several weeks. So we don't know. And they're fully conscious. They may be in a lot of pain, but they're fully conscious. So you have a responsibility to convey as long as you see the other person alive. Secondly, the thing is that if a person does believe in Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, from his heart, he says, أَشْهَدُ وَاللَّا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهُ From his heart he says that. And he dies soon after that. Even if that iman is just a little bit, and you could compare that to the size of a mustard seed even, hmm? then what do we learn? Eventually, a person with even that much faith will be taken out of hellfire. Isn't it? In Bukhari only we learn, there's a hadith in Bukhari, in which we learn that people will be removed from hellfire. They will fall into it because of their sins, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say that whoever has this much amount of faith in their heart should be taken out. So even people with iman that is equal to a mustard seed, even they will be taken out. So we should be hopeful. Alright? We should be hopeful. You understand now? Yes. We don't know. And this is amazing that the father is telling his son, Obey Abul Qasim. And the fact that the father said Abul Qasim clearly shows that he did not believe in the Prophet ﷺ. At least at this time. I don't know if he believed later. But at this time at least he did not believe in the Prophet ﷺ. And look at the child also. He looked towards his father. As if what was preventing him from believing in the Prophet ﷺ was who? It was his father. It was out of respect for his father that he was not believing. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ offered Islam to him and look at how happy he was. That Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, min that Allah saved him from the fire. And this should be our goal also, to save people from the fire. Now, one thing I also want you to notice here is that the child is about to die, or so it seems. 
right? He was severely ill. And the Prophet ﷺ goes to visit him. And this child is who? First of all, he's Jewish. And secondly, he was a servant to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ is going to visit him. What does this teach us? What does this teach us? Should we go to visit people who are unwell? What if they're non-Muslim? What if they work for us? What if they're children? Hmm? What we learn from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is that if a person is sick, no matter who they are, we should go to visit them. Hmm? In fact, we learn that Aisha radiallahu anha went to visit Bilal radiallahu anhu when he was sick. So if you know someone in the community, someone that you know you work with or someone that you you know you know very well through your work and they're unwell, they're at the hospital, what will you say at that time? Oh no, they're a man, non mahram, you know, who cares? No, they're a human being. You work with them. Hmm? Or you listen to their khutbas or you Pray behind them. So when you know that they're sick, don't say, oh man, non-mahram. No. You know, go with your family to visit them. It is your responsibility. Aisha radiallahu anha went to visit Bilal radiallahu anhu when he was sick. And this is the way of the companions. They would go to visit each other when anyone fell ill. It didn't matter whether it was a man or a woman. Of course, they followed the Islamic etiquette. And that etiquette is that you should not be alone with the person of the opposite gender. You should speak appropriately. You should dress appropriately. We've been given that code of conduct and that is something we should observe no matter where we are, at the workplace or when we're visiting them at the hospital. But we should go and visit. So often it has happened that you know, one of my father's friends is unwell and my mom with the rest of the family goes to visit. So you know, we generally ignore the rules of Islam but when it comes to such matters, then we become very rigid and overly unnecessarily strict. This is making the deen hard on ourselves. Another important thing here that I want you to notice is that the child is about to die and the Prophet ﷺ offers Islam to him. If you see someone who is about to die or you, you know, from their appearance or from their state from their condition, it seems that they're not going to live much longer. What would you do if you go to visit them? What would you do? What would you say? What is your obligation at that time towards that person? Typically what happens is that when we see someone in this condition, we start crying. Is that helpful? No. When the Prophet ﷺ would go to visit his companions who were sick, what would he say? Abshir. La ba'sa. Tahurun insha'Allah. Abshir. What does abshir mean? Rejoice. Receive good news. Look forward to something. La ba'sa. Don't worry. There's no harm. Tahurun insha'Allah. This is a purification insha'Allah. He said positive words, encouraging words. And here we see he's offering Islam to that boy. So when you go to visit someone who is sick or someone who is clearly very close to their death, then your obligation, your duty at that time is to say something that will help them. That will help them in their akhirah. Don't start burdening them with 
you must be in so much pain and I can't even bear to see this and you start crying and crying and then they're consoling you. No, seriously. That doesn't make any sense. You have gone to comfort the sick person not to seek comfort from them. Right? Recently, when my grandmother passed away, one of my cousins, she came in to see my grandmother and she was really distraught. You know, you could see the distress on her face. And my uncle told her, go from here. You can only smile here. You can only smile here. You can't make that face in front of her. Only smile. And she was in a lot of pain. And when my mother came in, she said, don't worry. She said, don't worry. When a believer is pricked with a thorn, even that is a source of purification. You know, she didn't say, oh, you're going to die. Or, no, no, you'll, you'll be perfectly fine. No. She gave her hope that yes, you're experiencing pain, but this is a purification. And she said, Allah is raising your ranks through this insha'Allah. Such positive words that I saw the relief on her face. She was at peace. Because you see, when a person is sick, when a person is in pain, you can't do anything to remove that pain away from them. Because that's not in your control. You can give the medication, but even that might not work. Like my grandmother, they gave her 50 ml of morphine the first day. Didn't work. They increased it to 200. Even that wasn't working. 200. It wasn't working. She was in so much pain. And the only time she would find comfort is if we would recite next to her. She would raise her hands like this as if making dua. She would go like this as if praying salah. And constantly we were reciting to her. And one thing is that typically what people do is that if someone is unwell or you go to visit them in the hospital, people will just play the ruqya. Play. Play surah Baqarah. Play surah Rahman. Play surah Waqiyah. Play the surah. And the person is listening constantly, loud no, loud sound. And then we're busy talking. We're busy having tea. Is that iyada? Iyada is that you go to visit someone Visiting them means that you should be present there. Visiting them means that there should be some human touch, some connection. And that connection will be established when you speak to them, when you yourself recite to them. Alhamdulillah, while I was with my grandmother for three days, I did not play anything on my phone. And I did not allow anybody to play anything on the phone. I said, no, we're here. Alhamdulillah, you can recite, I can recite. We have to recite ourselves. Because this is what brings comfort to the person who is unwell. When people actually talk to them, think about it, you're already hooked on to so many machines. Right? And the people who come and treat you as if you were an object. Right? Poking you, lifting you up, talking to you in such a cold way. Because that's their job, that's what they do all the time. So there needs to be somebody who will have that human touch, human contact. So don't just play the ruqya, sit to the side and sip your tea. Or talk on your phone, or or go through your phone. Use that, you know, be really present with that sick person. Like the Prophet ﷺ was. He went, he spoke to him, he offered Islam to him. Say positive words, give them hope. And the Prophet ﷺ was so happy about that. Alhamdulillahilladhi anqadahu min al-nar. And really, if Allah saves a person through you from the fire, that is something to be proud of. Something to be really happy about. Something to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for.
حدثنا ابو اليمان اخبرنا شعيب قال ابن شهاب يصلى على كل مولود ابن شهاب said that yusalla salah should be performed ala kulli mauludin on every child that is mutawaffa that is raised as in that dies so any child that dies then salah should be performed for him you should make dua for him that may allah save him and protect him enter him into paradise wa in kana li ghayyatin even if that child is of a prostitute What does it mean by that? The child of a prostitute would be the child whose father is is unknown. You don't know who the father is. You don't know if he was Muslim, non-Muslim, who, what, from where. You have no idea. You only know about the mother. And what you know about the mother is that she was a prostitute. So even that child, if he dies, Ibn Shihab said, you should pray Salatul Janazah for him. Why? مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنَّهُ وُلِدَ عَلَى فِطْرَةِ الْإِسْلَامِ Because of the fact that that child was born on the fitra of Islam, on the natural state of Islam. Because we learn that every child is born in which state? In the state of Islam. يَدْعِي أَبَوَاهُ الْإِسْلَامَ وَأَبُوهُ خَاصَّةً He will be called a Muslim if his parents are Muslims. Or even if only his father is a Muslim, وَإِن كَانَتْ أُمُّهُ عَلَى غَيْرِ الْإِسْلَامِ Even if his mother is not a Muslim. So basically, if his parents are Muslim, then of course he will be considered to be a Muslim, that child. And if the father is only Muslim, and the mother is not, then again the child will be considered Muslim. And we learned earlier that even if the father is not, but the mother is, even in that state, the child will be considered Muslim. So the point here is, that on every child, we should pray. Right? We should pray for every child. إِذَا اسْتَهَلَّ صَارِخًا صُلِّيَ عَلَيْهِ Now another case, that when he اسْتَهَلَّ اسْتَهَلَّ istihlal is to make noise. Hilal is from the same root. Hilal is crescent. And the reason why it's called Hilal is because when the crescent is seen, people make noise to announce the beginning or ending of the month. In the Quran it is said, وَمَا أُهِلَّ Whatever is slaughtered for someone other than Allah, that animal don't eat. And the word is أُهِلَّ Because when an animal is being slaughtered, then it's dedicated to something. So if the name of an idol is taken or someone other than Allah, then you cannot eat that animal. So, إِذَا اسْتَهَلَّ صَارِخًا When a child is born and he makes noise, he screams, صُلِّيَ عَلَيْهِ Then salah will be performed on him. Meaning, if the child is born alive, and a few minutes later the child dies. You understand? Or in the next day or two the child dies. The infant dies. Still, salah will be performed on him. وَلَا يُصَلَّى عَلَى مَنْ لَا يَسْتَهِلُّ But there is no salah for the one who does not make any noise. Meaning, stillborn. Why? مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنَّهُ سِقْت Because he is سِقْت. سِقْت is stillborn. فَإِنَّ أَبَا هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ InshaAllah we'll discuss this uh, in, in a few minutes. 
Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reported, Kana yahaddisu, he would say that, Qala Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ma min mawludin illa yuladu ala al-fitra. There is no uh, child that is born except that he is born upon the fitra. Meaning, upon Islam. فَأَبَوَاهُ يُهَوِّدَانِهِ Then it is the parents, his parents that make him Jewish, أَوْ يُنَصِّرَانِهِ Or they make him a Christian, أَوْ يُمَجِّسَانِهِ Or they make him a fire worshipper. كَمَا تُنْتَجُ الْبَهِيمَةُ Just as Bahima, Bahima is animal, like goat or sheep. كَمَا تُنْتَجُ الْبَهِيمَةُ بَهِيمَةً Just as an animal gives birth to an animal that is jama'a, that is whole. هَلْ تُحِسُّونَ فِيهَا مِنْ Do you expect it to be mutilated? Meaning, you see the Arabs had this custom where they would cut the ears and the nose and things like that. They would do this to their animals for different reasons. In order to mark them or in particular to dedicate them to certain idols. So just imagine a goat with no ears. I mean... That's strange, isn't it? But is that how the goat was born? No. It was born whole. So what happened to that goat? The people cut off the ears. So through this example, the Prophet ﷺ explained that a child is born on fitrah, is born on Islam. He is a Muslim. But what happens? Because of the people that he lives with, he becomes a Christian or Jewish or a follower of some other religion. ثُمَّ يَقُولُ أَبُو هُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Then Abu Huraira said, فِطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا الْآيَةَ He recited this ayah, which is the fitra of Allah, meaning the nature, الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا On which He has created people. Meaning people are created upon Islam. That is their natural disposition. That is the natural religion. That's the original Understand? Have you ever seen a Mac computer with windows on it? No? Anybody? You have, right? So, I mean, did that Mac come with the windows on it? No. What is the original? What is the original? Mac. Then the windows was installed on it. You understand? So, just like that, the animal is born whole. And then people cut off the ears. A child is born on Islam. And then he is influenced by his environment, by the people around him, and so he adopts that color, that religion. Alright, so through this hadith, what is happening is that Ibn Shihab is proving that a child is born on Islam. So if a child dies, then you will pray for him. Whether, whether one or both or none of the parents were Muslim. What is the dua for a child that dies? Which dua do you make? Do you know? So there is more than one dua that we are to make for a child that dies. And if you had the book, you would know it. So inshallah, don't forget to get the book next week. Okay? So inshallah, next week you can also learn that dua. When it comes to stillborn, there was a mention of that when the child is born alive, then there is definitely janazah, right? Or salah, dua for him. But if the child is born such that he never made any noise, 
didn't even cry, didn't make a single sound. He was born in a state that he was dead. Then there is a difference of opinion. Some scholars said that there is Salatul Janazah and others said that there is no Salatul Janazah. Those who said that there is Salatul Janazah said that a child in the womb is alive at four months. Because the ruh is blown into it. Correct? That's what we learn from the hadith. So, if the fetus dies after four months, you understand? If the fetus dies when? After four months. Then, whether he dies in the womb or dies afterwards, meaning is born and then dies, it, he's still to be treated as a person. He's to be given a name and janazah is to be performed. Because the ruh was there. You understand? And other scholars said that, no, there is no salatul janazah because he was never alive in front of us. But the preferred opinion of these two is the first one, which is that prayer should be performed over the deceased, over the stillborn, when it is past four months gestation. حدثنا عبدان أخبرنا عبد الله أخبرنا يونس عن الزهري أخبرني أبو سلمة ابن عبد الرحمن أن أبا هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said ما من مولود إلا يولد على الفطرة There is no child that is born except that he is born upon the فطرة The natural state فأبواه يهودانه أو ينصرانه أو يمجسانه then it is his parents that make him Jewish, Christian, or fire worshipper. Just as an animal gives birth to a whole animal, do you expect it to be mutilated? Then Abu Huraira would say, meaning whenever he would narrate this hadith, he would say, he would recite the ayah, فِطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا لَا تَبْدِيلَ لِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ الدِّينُ الْقَيِّمُ so we see that Ibn that Abu Hurairah when he would narrate the hadith, he would also bring supporting ayah from the Quran. And this hadith again it shows us that the environment of a person does affect them. So at the end, yes, a person is responsible for the choices that they make, but that will only be after the age of discernment. Once they have a level of intelligence, once they have tamiz, then of course they're responsible for the choices that they make. Bab Ida Qalan Mushriku Indal Mauti La ilaha illallah. If a mushrik says at the time of death, La ilaha illallah. We learned about the matter of a child. Now, what about an adult? And specifically a mushrik. Right before death he says La ilaha illallah. حدثنا إسحاق أخبرنا يعقوب بن إبراهيم قال حدثني أبي عن صالح عن ابن شهاب قال أخبرني سعيد بن المسيب عن أبيه أنه أخبره أنه سعيد بن المسيب reported from his father that he said that لما حضرت أبا طالب الوفاة when الوفاة meaning death approached Abu Talib meaning when Abu Talib was about to die what happened? Ja'ahu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to him. فَوَجَدَ عِنْدَهُ أَبَا جَهْلِ بْنِ هِشَامٍ And he found Abu Jahl ibn Hisham. Where? Next to Abu Talib. 
Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyata ibn al-Mughira. And he also found over there Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah ibn al-Mughira. These two people were right next to Abu Talib. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam li Abi Talib. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Abu Talib, Ya Ammi, O uncle, Qul la ilaha illallah, Say la ilaha illallah, Kalimatan ashhadu laka biha indallah. A kalima, a statement about which I will testify for you near Allah. Meaning say this kalima so that I can testify for you on the day of judgment that yes, you did say the kalima. فَقَالَ أَبُوْ جَهْلٍ وَعَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنُ أَبِي أُمَيَّةِ So Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Umayyah, both of them said, يَا أَبَا طَالِبْ O Abu Talib, أَتَّرْغَبُ عَنْ مِلَّةِ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبْ Are you going to leave the creed of Abdul Muttalib? Who was Abdul Muttalib? His father. Are you going to leave his creed? Are you going to leave his way? فَلَمْ يَزَلْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَعْرِضُهَا عَلَيْهِ But the Prophet ﷺ did not stop presenting that kalima to him. The Prophet ﷺ kept saying, Say la ilaha illallah so I can testify for you. وَيَعُودَانِ بِتِلْكَ الْمَقَالَةِ And those two men, Abu Jahl and Abdullah bin Abi Umayyah, what were they doing? They kept on repeating their saying. And what was that? أَتَرْغَبُ عَمْ مِلَّةِ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ حَتَّى قَالَ أَبُو طَالِبٍ Until Abu Talib said, آخِرَ مَا كَلَّمَهُمْ The last of what he said to them. هُوَ عَلَى مِلَّةِ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ He said that he was on the religion of Abdul Muttalib. وَأَبَا أَنْ يَقُولَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And he refused to say, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet said, أَمَا وَاللَّهِ لَأَسْتَغْفِرَنَّ لَكَ By Allah, as for me, I am going to seek forgiveness for you. I am definitely going to seek forgiveness for you. مَا لَمْ أُنْهَ عَنْكَ As long as I am not forbidden from it. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِيهِ So Allah the Exalted revealed regarding this, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ الْآيَةِ The verse, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ And what is that verse? That مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَنْ يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ It is not permissible for the Prophet and for those who believe that they should seek forgiveness for the mushrikeen. Then the Prophet ﷺ stopped seeking forgiveness for Abu Talib. This is something that, I mean, we all know about the story. But this is something that should really shake us to the core. We should really ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that in our last moments we are surrounded by people who will say the right thing to us. Who will remind us of dhikr. Who will remind us to say la ilaha illallah. Who will help us say la ilaha illallah. When our tongue is struggling to move and we are barely conscious May Allah surround us by people who will help us remember Him. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep shaitan away from us at that time. Because shaitan comes, how? In both ways. One way is that he does waswasa to a person. And the other is that he comes in the form of people. He comes through people. So we see that this Abu Jahl and this other man, Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah, this was what? Shaitan. You know like Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, when he was about to die, he said, not yet, not yet. 
So later on when he was more conscious, his children asked him about it and he said that shaitan came to me and shaitan was telling me that you have escaped me. You have escaped me. Meaning I have not managed to mislead you. So Imam Ahmad was saying to shaitan, not yet. I have not escaped you yet. Because I'm still alive. You can still misguide me. I mean, really shaitan is an enemy to us. And he does not leave people until the very end. The Prophet ﷺ is inviting his uncle so lovingly that, Oh uncle, say this so that I can testify for you. In another version we learn, the Prophet ﷺ was saying that, Say this kalimatan uhajjulaka bihi indallah. Say this kalima by which I will argue on your behalf near Allah. That even though you did not believe before, and you did not practice at all, still, because you will say, La ilaha illallah, I can argue on your behalf. I can defend you somehow. But Abu Talib did not. Because of what the others were saying to him. Shaming him regarding his religion. And this teaches us that when we go to visit someone who's sick or close to death, then our goal should also be to help them Remember Allah. To help them say, La ilaha illallah. And help them say, don't, don't yell at them. And don't be so loud with them and harsh with them. Say gently and keep repeating softly. Keep repeating again and again yourself so that they will pick up. They will be able to say it easily also. Alhamdulillah, my grandmother, before she passed away, you know, for the past three days, I was constantly reciting. Whenever I was not reciting Quran to her or du'as to her, I would recite, La ilaha illallahu wahda, La ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika la, La ilaha illallahu lahul mulku wa lahul hamd, La ilaha illallahu wallahu akbar, La ilaha illallahu wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And we could see her moving her tongue. Moving her tongue. Because when you hear something over and over and over again, then you're also able to say it. But it is so unfortunate that when we go to visit someone who's even close to their death, we get busy in our conversations. Or we start sobbing over there, selfishly thinking about ourselves and forgetting what the person in front of us needs. Help someone else today, so that tomorrow, inshallah, you will be helped. Now again over here we see that the Prophet was telling his uncle to say La ilaha illallah when he was a mushrik and this is close to his death. Why? Why? For the same reason. Because you don't know when someone is going to die. You have to do your job. And secondly, you should be hopeful that even if they have said only La ilaha illallah, perhaps, maybe they will be forgiven and perhaps, maybe they'll be taken out of hellfire because of that. You know, like we learn about that man who accepted Islam and right as he accepted Islam he went to participate in the battle to defend the Muslims and what happened? what happened to him? he died in that battle he did not pray even a single salah not even a single prayer Allahu A'lam if he even recited any of the Quran or heard much of it but he said the kalima, he accepted Islam, and very soon after that, he passed away. So you don't know. You have to do your job of conveying the message to people.
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته